I am fascinated, intrigued, and honored you by may the have done what they said you did, but they are magnificent, they marvelous. Are. You need to know that you're okay just the way you are. Succeeded in you as a child. What you've been through matters. This podcast is designed for you. It's Love on a mission in a world that the human experience is lacking. My name is Ginger Wilk, and we're here to talk about that which matters. Welcome to That Which Matters, and your host, Ginger Wilk. Just want to thank you for tuning in and listening. I know that you have other choices and appreciate that you are listening to this podcast today. And the title of this particular podcast is about the power of words. And the reason why I entitled this The Power of Words is because words are extremely powerful and impactful. Over years of helping people, words that have been spoken over them or names that they have been called have been very difficult to overcome if they've been negative. Thomas Halliburton said, and I quote, nicknames stick to people and the most ridiculous are the most adhesive. Maya Angelou said, words are things. You must be careful careful about calling people out of their names, using racial pejoratives and sexual pejoratives and all that ignorance. Don't do that. Someday we'll be able to measure the power of words. I think they are things. They get on the walls. They get on your wallpaper. They get in your rugs and in your upholstery and your clothes. And finally, in you. Proverbs 18 and 21 says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And right now, I just want you to think about a time in your life, ages 6 to 12, for instance, about the words that were spoken over you during that time. First, think about the very good ones, if there were any. Beautiful, handsome, athletic, artistic, talented, helpful, intelligent, graceful, strong, friendly, humorous. Think about those. Think about how much they shaped and formed your life when you were a kid and even now that you recall being called those things over time and how much you were encouraged by that, those names and those words. And now I want you to think about the negative ones Loser, ugly, fat, uncoordinated, prissy, useless, stupid, skinny, racial slurs, slurs about gender identity or sexual preferences. These horrible negative words that for some reason often come during those years, ages 6 to 12, elementary school, is when they normally happen. And they have had a tremendous impact on others. I think about a client that I had in my pastoral care counseling situation who had been struggling with an eating disorder, and she was treated by a professional, both medically and psychologically treated by a professional, and she was coming to me for some spiritual insight, and she was still dealing with looking in the mirror and seeing her cheeks as being very large, she couldn't get past that. She could finally see herself in a manner that was no longer distorted, except for those cheeks. And when I was going through her file and we were looking at some former assignments, she had done a list like this about negative names that were spoken over her. 
And the main one that was spoken over her in elementary school was Chipmunk. And we talked about the fact that that name was still having an impact even today in her 20s. Being called a chipmunk, that image that she had, that visual, was still feeding into a distorted way that she looked at herself. And over the years, I have seen how difficult it is for people to shake off those words. I remember when I was in elementary school, I had a lot of people that were bullies that definitely put me through a lot of difficult times. And one of the things that I was called was prissy. And part of it was because I went to a school where we wore uniforms. And on Fridays, we had the ability to wear whatever we wanted. It was our day that we did not have to wear those ugly, ridiculous uniforms. And most people, most of the girls would wear jeans and sneakers. And that was the trend at that particular time. But me... I would wear dresses because that's what I wanted to wear. I was a girly girl. I'm still a girly girl. If you were able to see me today, you'd see by the way I dress, the way I act. It's still who I am. But back then when I was called prissy, they meant it in a very derogatory way. They meant it as there's something wrong with you. You don't fit in. You don't look right. You don't look like us. You're not like us. You're rejected. And that's the difficult thing about the negative words that are spoken over us is what it really translates to. It's not just about the word. It denotes that something is wrong with you, that something is wrong with me, that somehow everyone else is better. Everyone else has arrived at some place that we haven't arrived at. And and I have done spiritual encounters where I have stood there in line as people have come up to try to get some prayer over things that have gone awry in their lives. And so many times it goes back to those words that were spoken over them when they were in elementary school or even later on. And certainly it moves on into adulthood and into relationships. And that's why when people are in romantic relationships and they curse at each other, that's not a good thing either, of course. But to me, what makes me cringe knowing the impact that it has on others is when people call one another names to call somebody you know, a curse word that is just a general curse word doesn't seem to have the same impact as you're a loser or you are useless or you are stupid. I mean, I could cry right now to think about real people that have come to me and have had a very, very hard time getting past being called those things. They stick. The whole saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is as false as false can be. Mr. Rogers states, and I quote, I think this is the greatest evil, those who would try to make you feel less than who you are. And I think that's so true. And I want to share with you something that I stumbled upon. I watched the movie The Greatest Showman years ago. And there is a song from that particular movie called This Is Me. Many of you know it. It was trending for many, many months and months and months after the movie came out. And I always loved it. And Keela Settle is the one who sings it. And it's spoken out in a form of a song by what some people would describe the circus freaks, those that don't belong and It's a powerful scene in the movie. However, more powerful than that, and I encourage you to look it up, is the recording of this song 
you can look it up, Keela Settle, This Is Me, and they describe the fact that they're in the studio, you can see them all in the studio, and she had not come from outside of that small area where she had a stand and the words to the music, the lyrics to the music there. She had never moved from beyond that place. And in this song, it was the first time that she actually came out and began to walk around. And as she's singing this song, it is electric in that studio. And it is so incredibly powerful. And you can tell, without me knowing her, without me knowing anything specific about her, you can tell that she's getting free while singing this song and people in the studio are getting free by singing this song because it's about being comfortable with who you are. It's about defying the words and the names that people have been called and the words. I'm just going to give you some of them. This is from, this is me. I am not a stranger in the dark hide away. They say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars run away. They say no one will love you as you are but I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I've meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat of the drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. And it is a powerful song. And I want you to, to watch that recording of that studio. And I want you to understand that this represents all of us in a sense of how we've been broken down by people and told that there's something wrong with us. Certainly not the way God feels, but people can definitely give you that indicator. And it's so powerful. Literally, she starts bawling in the middle of this song and you can see that like a heavy weight coming down from her shoulders, coming down from her life, it's dropping on the floor. Every weight, every rock, every stone of oppression that has come on her as the singer, her as the actor and people in the studio is manifesting right in front of your very eyes. So freedom can happen when we acknowledge and reverse the words and the names that have been stamped on us. We don't realize how powerful it was. We think that just because we grow up, just because we move on, just because we get out of that particular relationship that the names and those words that have been spoken over us are just going to go away. But I believe that we need to be the ones, like in that particular song, that we need to be the ones to be brave enough to say, no, I am not ugly. I am not uncoordinated. I'm not stupid that we need to be the ones to do that reversal and to be around people that are also going to reverse those things. So I want to talk a little bit about names because names themselves are very key in this whole discussion about the power of words. Some parents name their children after relatives, for instance, they just want aunt you know, Sadie to have somebody named after her and Uncle John and so forth. So sometimes that's why parents name their children after relatives. Some parents name them after saints. They want to make sure that they're honored by, you know, somebody really powerful and religious. Sometimes people just put two syllables together. The dad's name might be one thing, might be 
Jared and the mother's name might be Sally and they call the child Jerry, you know, which obviously is a ridiculous name. But, you know, some people put syllables together for each parent. Some people do it for the rhythm. But no matter what the method is, the names, all names have great meanings. And I encourage you to look up the meaning of your names. When my daughters were in elementary school, they would ask every Valentine's Day for um, each child to bring in Valentine's Day cards. Now, if you know what I mean, and you've been a mom that has provided your kids with these cards, they're very, very small, teeny tiny things that you get in a giant pack of like 25 cards. And there's no room to put anything but just your name on it and to hand it out in, in school. And so that's what they were asked to do. But I would require them to do something different. We would make the cards, not because we didn't have the four ninety nine or whatever it was for those Valentine's Day cards, but we would make them because I wanted them to be special and we would get construction paper out and glitter and they would tell me each name of every child in their class. We would write their name down and then we would write the meanings of their names because I wanted them to all know how special they are by the meanings of their names. And sometimes it was a little challenging because sometimes the meanings of the names are not always great. Like, for instance, we had one child whose name meant crooked nose. So we didn't put that on the Valentine's Day card, but we came up with something that was positive. I looked and looked and looked until I found some derivative of that name that was positive. And it would take us hours upon hours upon hours. And my daughter still ribbed me about this. But the truth is, is that I wanted to make sure that each child was properly honored and that there was significance that was there. And so I encourage you to look up your name and see if your name is a meaning that you can stand behind, something that you really feel defines you well, or is it something you need to, to denounce, not your name, but the meaning, and declare something different. For instance, my real name is Virginia. It's not Ginger, it's Virginia. And when I looked up my name, I realized I never liked that name, for instance. No offense to any of the Virginias in the world that are listening. But I never liked the name Virginia. And when I looked it up, it meant a horse that never won a race. So clearly I could understand why I hated that name. And also it meant maid. And I always felt as though that name was associated with something that I didn't like that was negative. And I always wanted to be called Ginger. To this day, that's the name that I ask, even though my formal name is Virginia. I always ask people to call me Ginger because it means spring-like and flourishing. And that's and even Ginger the Spice brings healing elements. And that's what I can sign on to. And that's the name that I believe defines me or it's the name that I want to define me. So I want to give you some examples of names in different circumstances and how powerful they really are, because it's so important that we understand the power of a word and a name. For instance, in the Bible, there was Simon Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus. And if you know anything about the way that he acted, he was so impulsive. He was always shooting his mouth off at the wrong time. He was always asking those crazy questions that everybody would probably roll their eyes at. He had a great personality, but he always said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And his name, Simon, means to be heard or to hear. And if that didn't describe his personality, I don't know what would, because he always wanted to be heard and he always wanted to hear and he always wanted to be validated and understood. There was a competitive part of him. 
But at one point, Jesus was asking the disciples, you know, who do people say that I am? You know, tell me, what, what, what's the word on the street as to what they think my name is? And, and he said, I, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied to him and said, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And the truth of the matter is, that's the first time he ever called him that. And Peter, the name, means rock and stone. It's a solid foundation. And if you read on in the Bible beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and into the book of Acts, you will see how Peter, not Simon, but Peter, is transformed into somebody who absolutely becomes a foundational stone in the Christian church. Another example, in the book of Ruth, there is her mother-in-law, and her name is Naomi. And that name means pleasant and gentle. And Naomi was this wonderful mother-in-law and mother to sons and wife. And her sons and husband went off to battle, and they were all killed. A terrible, terrible situation. And she went through a tremendous amount of grief, and she told her daughter-in-laws to just go off, go back with your people you know, I don't have anything else to offer you. And Ruth stayed with her. And um, they went on a basically a journey towards some powerful, significant things biblically. But after the death of her sons and her husband, she went out and people would say, you know, her name, Naomi. Can this be Naomi? And she said to them, don't call me Naomi because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Which, okay, it's fair. Those feelings are fair. She went through a tremendous grief and circumstance that would cause her to be really angry. And that's okay. It's okay to be angry at God. It's a reality. But what she did do was she changed her name to Mara and told them to call her Mara instead of Naomi. And the word Mara, the name Mara, means bitter. So she asked people, instead of calling her pleasant or gentle, she asked people to call her bitter. And the thing is, we can be bitter. We can be angry. We can be grief-stricken. But do we want to be named that? Do we want that to be the signature that goes with us wherever we are? Well, the good news is that later on in her life, she ended up taking up the name Naomi again because God turned her life around and she went back to being pleasant and being gentle. So it's important to know that the significance of our name is something that we have control over. We can be defined by the meaning of our names. We can allow our names or a meaning of our names to be something that we want to address and reverse Say, even though my name means this, this is who I am, so that we are stamped with something different. But sometimes people change names. This happens more often than you would think. For instance, when people join gangs, instead of them being called by their regular names, their names could be anything. Their names could be Larry, their names could be Thomas, their names could be anything. But gang members will also change names. Things like Kingpin or The Boss or Bones or Wheels or whatever. These may not be current and it may not even be anything that's really accurate, but it's an example of stripping away the identity of who that person is and giving them an identity 
for that particular gang. For instance, when people are part of Greek life, fraternities and sororities, during pledging, sometimes people are given names, nicknames, flipper, shotgun, bobsled, or whatever it might be instead of the name that they came there with. If you think about it, they go to college, their moms and dads or whoever, who, their grandparents or whatever are kissing and hugging them as they're bringing in all of their comforters and belongings in the first day of their freshman year. And by the time their sophomore year comes, someone is renaming them, giving them a different name. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go awry, but there's significance to that, to taking the name that someone was given when they were young or given when they were a small child and then all of a sudden removed. For instance, in slavery, outside of the slave quarters um, and in the homes of the slave masters, they would give the slaves names that depicted the slave uh, master's family's names, like Tom or Mary or Harry or Jane or Jack. But inside the slave quarters, they would connect with and retain the beautiful African names that they were given when they were in a place of freedom, the names that their parents thought about, the names that had significant meanings. But then when they were in slavery and they were in that type of lifestyle, they were called by something so unfamiliar and something so demeaning to the beautiful names that they were given as a child. Only about a th one fifth retained their African names even afterwards. So there's so many examples of places where names have been changed. And it's not even just in gangs or Greek, li Greek life or slavery or anything that's extreme like what I just mentioned. Many times, even in situations where we're in a romantic relationship, and I want to tell you a story of a friend of the family who we've known for a very, very long time and beautiful, beautiful person that we knew in her teen years. She went off to college. And when she went off to college, she got connected to a boy, a man who I believe she was in some sort of a romantic relationship with early on in college. And her name was Sarah. And the name Sarah means princess with strength or princess of God, depending upon which biblical or regular definition you look up. But it means princess. And that's the name that her parents gave her. And she went to school. She met this person. And when she said that her name was Sarah, he said, oh, there's too many Sarahs here. He said, I'm going to give you another name and I'm going to give you the name Chanel. And I remember when she came home to visit on her first vacation from college, she arrived and, and said, I'm going to tell you right now that a lot of people are going to refer to me as this name Chanel. And right away, something didn't really sit right with me. I thought, I don't like that. You know, I, I don't like a name change. And basically Chanel, which is denotes a channel, is like a canal or a water pipe, basically which really means it's an opening where ships can come in or anything can come in. And sure enough, after that particular time, anything and everything came into her life that caused a very, very big decline in her life. She ended up getting caught up in some things that were very, very destructive to her. She eventually left school, didn't finish there. She finished later on, but didn't finish there. And she ended up basically running away and getting herself involved in some really horrific things. And 
we as very close friends of hers were so stricken with pain over this situation and we would call her from time to time and she would never pick up the phone but her cell phone would say hi you've reached chanel and i would cringe every time i would hear this name and as soon as the beep would come in i would say hi sarah princess of god hi sarah princess with strength just want to let you know that we love you and that at any time we'll get on a plane and we'll go out and we'll bring you home if you want to come home and then weeks later months later call the phone hi you've reached chanel hi princess of god princess with strength love you miss you just want you to know we're praying for you and at any time we'll come out and take a plane and pick you up and bring you home and months and months and months went by and we just never knew what was happening we didn't know if she was alive if she was dead i think there were times that she was so heartbroken that she felt hopeless like she didn't want to live anymore and she even took steps to take her life and all of a sudden one day i received a card in the mail and i opened it up it was a christmas card and it said hi ginger and family she said i just want to let you know that i'm back in connecticut and i'm getting the help that i need and she went through this entire paragraph of saying how much she appreciated who we were, what we've done. She wanted to see us and all of the great things that she was thinking and feeling as she was getting the help that she needed. And at the end of the card, I wept when she said, love Sarah, because she took her name back. She understood that she was a princess of God, that she wasn't something that was an opening to anything or everything that would come in and try to destroy her life. But she was a princess of God. And so I want to tell you today, don't let anybody name you. Don't let anybody define you. You define who you are. You hold on to those words and those names that define the beautiful parts of who you are, the beautiful attributes that you have the things you love about yourself, the things that you want to do in the future, the ways in which you want to move and advance towards your goals and the way you want people to see you because you are that princess or that rock. You are that wonderful person. You are that pleasant person. You're not bitter. You're not an opening for everything to come in. You're not somebody that just shoots your voice off at every single situation you're powerful and you matter you matter what you think matters the way you see things matter in collaboration with iml productions this has been your host ginger wilk with that which matters thank you for listening